Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see everyone today. Glad you can make it out on this Labor Day weekend. I'm going to pray and jump right into this word today. I pray that it is a blessing to you. Uh, Father, we do come before you today in humility. We're just grateful for another chance to gather together, to lift up your name, to listen to your word. So God, we do ask that you would speak to us today through your word, through your spirit, that you would move in our midst today. We welcome you in this place. Thank you for being here. Thank you for meeting with us. God, thank you for every blessing that you've given us. We're just so grateful. We're just so grateful, God. Thank you for choosing us and moving through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we've been exploring these different aspects of evangelism through this past month, I'm going to recap to start with, and we're going to jump right into this. We've learned a lot about how to be a faithful witness to the world by giving our testimony of what God's done in our life. We've seen the impact that we can have by taking a stand in our culture And we've explored how the Holy Spirit empowers us through the prophetic and through power to get through to people. Now, all of this is for the one, that one person that the Lord has put on our hearts to reach out to, to to pray for, to intercede for, to see and believe that God would move mightily in their lives. Jesus had compassion for the people. That's the whole reason he came, was to love people and to reconcile them back to the Father. The only thing that we can actually take with us to heaven is souls. Everything else is going to pass away, but people's souls will live eternally in only one of two places, either heaven or hell. So you see, people matter. The Father sent Jesus to the earth for people. He loved the world, the people of the world. Jesus is the good shepherd who would leave the 99 just to come for that one person. He came so that we would have abundant life, not just here and now, but also for eternity with him. That's one reason why people are one of the core values that we have here at Freedom House, because it matters to God. He's also designed things specifically so that we get the privilege and the honor of being part of this process of redemption for mankind. We get to help bridge the gap between people and God through Jesus. We get to co-labor with him in order to help bring in the harvest. I remember one time very vividly actually going and getting an oil change. As I was sitting there in the waiting room, there was an older gentleman also there getting his car service. And we start talking, he's his little small talk, you know, how's the weather, baseball team, all that. And then he took the conversation a little different direction. And he asked me a question very politely. Do you know where you would go when you die? And I looked at him and I said, well, actually, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. I would go to heaven. And he asked why. So I told him, well, I believe and put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said, that's right. I'm so glad that you know the truth. He also said, scripture says that that is the truth. And he who wins souls is wise. And I don't want to be a dummy. That's actually what he said. (laughs) 
And it always stuck with me. You know, here, here we are waiting for our cars to be serviced. And this guy doesn't want me to potentially miss out on an opportunity to hear the gospel and hear the good news. And it really stuck with me through, the, through these years. And I wondered, why don't we hear more of things like that in our normal conversations? Why don't we hear people asking those types of questions? I know even uh, Rochelle's great-grandfather would go around asking people all the time, no matter where he was, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And it wasn't like a weird thing, but somehow through the generations, it seems like we've kind of lost that a little bit. So I kind of wanted to challenge us today with this. Do we actually care if the people around us make it to heaven or not? I, I think if we do, if will challenge us and convict us to maybe look at things a little bit different, those opportunities that we have. Now, too often, going back to this winning souls is wise thing, we have a bunch of people in the church that think they are super wise and have it all together, and we don't need certain things anymore because we already know it all. But if we really understand our purpose and why we are here in this time and in this season, it would cause us to look at our lives in a totally different way. We are supposed to show people the truth and the life and to share the good news with other people. If we really believe the good news, then we'll gladly share it with people. After all, it is good. But if we don't, I think we need to look at and address that today as well. You see, God's news is the news that will bring hope. God's news is the news that will bring healing. God's news is what will change people's lives and set them free. But it does take humility to understand in my own, I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers, but I do know the one who does. Now, sometimes we might even try to water down the good news into something that we feel might be more acceptable to other people. But the good news is what it is. Unlike some news sources, we do not create or invent news. We merely report on what the news already is. We are just the messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our job is to deliver the news and let people decide for themselves. They have to choose whether to believe or not for themselves, but they need someone to present it to them, someone to deliver it from the Lord. Look, the gospel is good, but it can also be very offensive. It doesn't leave any room for us to ride the fence. It makes us pick a side. It doesn't let us continue to stand up in pride, but forces us to humble ourselves before the Lord and admit, I am a sinner, I need to be saved, and I can't save myself. Lord, I need you. I understand at times this can be very daunting. I get it. I can be socially awkward sometimes. I can not always know the right things to say in the right conversation, but it really doesn't matter. God can use each and every one of us even in spite of our weaknesses and can actually get greater glory because of that. As we've said before, not everyone is called to be an evangelist like Billy Graham, but we all are called to evangelize and to share our story of what God's done for us, we can all share the truth from Scripture. It's never changing. The truth is the truth forevermore. Now, some of us today 
myself included, might just need to get a fresh fire in our bones about this. Maybe we've never felt any urgency to share the good news of Jesus with anyone before, but we can change that today. We can fan that flame into a burning hot fire. We need to be like Jeremiah and have his word so burning in our bones that it just has to come out. It has to be released. Now, if the fire and passion of God is not burning in our bones, my question to us today is, well, then what is? What's in our bones? When was the last time you were asked by a complete stranger if you knew Jesus? Or when was the last time you asked a complete stranger whether they knew Jesus? The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once commented quite sharply Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. I mean, spoken as only a true (laughs) preacher could say. I think this is one of the keys for us to grasp throughout this whole series. There is a process and there is a season that we all go through. We can have good soil. We can have good seed. We can even have water, fertilizer, and wait the right amount of time for a harvest But if we wait and have it come to pass, but no one actually goes out to the field and harvests it and brings it in, it doesn't do anyone any good. It's just going to sit out there and not benefit anyone and actually go bad. The last thing we would ever want is for someone to go through the whole process of being prepared to have an encounter with God and for eternity, but then find that no one is around to finish the process and actually bring in the harvest. So we're going to talk about that today. Point number one, if you're taking notes, the harvest is the point. That's the first thing we need to realize today. The harvest is the point. The whole point. Jesus came to the earth with a mission to seek and to save the lost. He did everything that needed to be done. It was finished in the sense that he made a way for people to be reconnected with God. He made a way for them to be set free, to be delivered, and to walk in power. But we each have to decide for ourselves whether to receive and accept that forgiveness and love. And even as believers, we all have to make a choice whether we're going to take that mantle and actually tell other people and share the good news with them. Actually, witnessing to others, being a shining example for people to look at and to see Jesus and making disciples is not an option for believers. It's actually what Jesus commanded us to do. We have to take it to the streets. We have to make his name famous. We have to preach to all creation that the long-awaited Messiah has come and his name is Jesus. But do we personally believe that that is the mandate for us? Or do we think we can just opt out of whatever we don't like? But in a kingdom, whatever the king says is the law. And the king said, go into the world and preach good news. Dr. Larry Leah explained the enormous importance of evangelism in his book, Wisdom, The Gift Worth Seeking. He stated that your first responsibility, your first priority, your number one goal in life before God is to win souls. That's the number one character trait of a wise person. That's the great commission. That's the great race Paul talks about running. That's the goal for your life. If you ever wonder what's the goal for your life, 
Here we go. That's the ultimate reason everything else becomes secondary. Now, in addition to being the king, Jesus is also the son of God. And sons receive an inheritance. Jesus' inheritance is different because it is a harvest of people, an ingathering of all the souls of the sons and daughters of God. All those who put their faith and trust in Jesus will be the wheat that is harvested into heaven. But all those who reject Jesus will be the tares that are thrown out and burned with hellfire. But God loves the people of the world and desires that all would choose to have a relationship with him through the son. And the goal for us is to live our lives in such a way that we can make that inheritance as large as humanly possible or supernaturally possible, I should say. Look with me at what the psalmist wrote in Psalms chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. He said, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. What I love about that verse is that nations can actually be translated heathens or Gentiles, which is great news for us if we weren't born Jewish. That means we have the opportunity to also be grafted in to this beautiful blended family of God. This is single-handedly the largest inheritance the world has ever dreamed of. We're talking about billions of people from every tribe, nation, people, and language that confess Jesus as Lord, united by the same spirit and obedience to the King. I'm so grateful that even though initially Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, that he also made the way for us to be grafted in too. Just in the United States, there have been many great revivals and awakenings, even in recent years, that have greatly impacted and increased the kingdom of God. And I love every single one of them because it means that there are more people becoming free who are leaving a legacy for the next generation, that there's more people that are actually going to be with us in heaven one day. But there's still work to be done. I mean, you can just turn on the TV, look at the news for five minutes, and you can see there's plenty of work still to be done. There are many people in our own country that don't know Jesus personally, or even some people who claim to be Christians, they don't act or talk like Jesus at all. That's where we come in. We are the radical remnant who actually take Jesus at his word and ask that the earth would look like heaven every day. We are the ones who will take up that mantle of prayer and repentance and see the light come into those dark places. Turn to the person next to you, and I want you to actually declare this over them. You are the radical remnant. (laughs) Instead of just complaining about the world being so dark, we could actually do something about it. You see, the difference with us is we actually have the light. So we just need to turn on the light. You are the light of the world. Is it any wonder the enemy tries so hard to get us to stay quiet, to get us to stay hidden? He doesn't want our lights to shine before men. He doesn't want a bunch of people glorifying the Father in heaven. He hates that. He wants as many people as possible trapped and stumbling around in the darkness. But God didn't give you a voice not to use it. 
He gave you a voice to use it, to speak, to pray, to bring light into those dark places. Your voice is powerful. Whatever God gave you, it's time to let it out. It's time to let it shine today. It's time to set it free and to let it loose so that other people can be free too. So let's sow our lives into others so that the Holy Spirit can produce life-giving fruit in their lives too. Let's die to ourselves daily so that we can bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Before there can ever be a harvest, a seed has to die. So point number two today, we pray to the Lord of the harvest. Now this business of plowing, sowing, watering, fertilizing, and reaping can be a daunting task that none of us can really do effectively by ourselves. But that's why we need each other. Some of us might plow the hard ground while someone else comes behind and actually puts a seed in after us, right? We have different functions. We're at different parts in the process. Other people might come in in faith, sprinkle some water here and there on the seeds, expecting at the right time, there's going to be a crop that comes up and still other people come at the end and actually reap the fruit. So don't get overwhelmed. We don't know exactly where people are in their process, but the Holy Spirit does. We don't know where we are in that process, but the Holy Spirit does. And he can line us up to be at the right place at the right time to speak the right words. But even beyond needing each other, what we need the most is Jesus. We need the Lord to show us what to do. And the good thing is, we can not only reach out to him, he actually instructed us to pray and ask for his help in this very thing. If you've ever wondered what's the specific will of God for your life for something, here is one thing you can point at and know because Jesus specifically said, pray for this. This is Matthew 9. 35 through 38. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they fainted and were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his harvest. We get to pray to the Lord of the harvest. We get to ask him to send in the reinforcement team. We get to ask him to send the right people in at the right time. Now, Jesus also said in this passage that the harvest is plentiful. That means there are lots of people out there ready to hear and receive the good news that Jesus made a way for them to be forgiven of every sin, to be free from every bondage, to have their own personal relationship with God in the kingdom. If we are each led of the spirit and each do our own part, we can lend a hand and help people come into the kingdom of God. Now, some of us might need to ask the question, what are we laboring in? What kingdom are we spending our most time in? What field are we sowing into? Are we sowing into the kingdom of darkness, but expecting a harvest from the kingdom of light? It doesn't work that way. You reap what you sow. 
If we each carry this burden of fire in our bones, we will see God do miraculous things among us. People are drawn to light. They are drawn to fire. Let's pray even right now and just kind of press into this just for a moment. Lord, I ask that you would stir up our hearts today for the lost. Give us a deeper sense of urgency to speak out and to speak the truth in love. You said in your word that today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. Today is the day. We have to choose this day who we will serve. So, Father, we pray according to the truth in Romans 10.1 that our heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they will be saved. We cry out for the one today according to Acts 26.18 that you would open their spiritual eyes so they would turn from darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they'd receive forgiveness and released from their sins and an inheritance among those who have had their faith in Jesus. We ask according to 2 Timothy 2.25 that we will be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with us so they can receive God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth themselves. And we thank you according to Ezekiel 36.26. You declared that you would give them a new heart, that you would put a new spirit in them, that you would take out their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, the beautiful thing about this is God has created and designed us for this mission. We've been specifically created and placed at this time in history in the cities where we are living to accomplish what God has already destined us to do. It's amazing and brilliant if you think about it. He has chosen us. You are chosen by God for such a time as this from the foundation of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but that should make you feel pretty loved. But it's not for us to think we're something awesome. It's so that we can realize what an awesome God it is that we serve to make us grateful, to make us humble, to make us want to obey the king and bear good fruit according to his great name. It's so that we can ask powerful things in prayer on behalf of others. Look at John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have appointed and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give to you. And point number three today, report for reaping. The third thing we have to realize today, we each must report for reaping. We all get a part to play throughout this process, and that includes reaping, which is great news because there is great joy in the harvest. This is when all the hard work is done, when the long seasons of waiting are finally over, when the end comes and we get to enjoy the fruit of our labor. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, for we labor with God 
and you are the crop and the building of God. You see, people are the crop. Souls are the harvest. And we get to labor and work with God in order to bring them into the kingdom. For all of us, that means boldly and consistently praying for their salvation until it comes. For all of us, that means extending a simple invitation to the one and inviting them to come to church with you next week. I would just want to decree and declare a few things from scripture over us as we're getting ready to close. I decree and declare the truth of what Jesus said in John chapter four, verse 35 and 36. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are white and ready for harvest. The reaper receives a reward and gathers fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. I pray there is great rejoicing as the sower and reaper get to rejoice together. I decree and declare the truth and wisdom of Proverbs 11:30 over us today that the fruit of the consistently righteous is a tree of life and he who is wise captures and wins souls for God. I declare that Freedom House is full of wise people because we win souls for God. People are a tree of life to those around us. People who speak the truth in love. People who are led by the Spirit to bear witness about Jesus to the one he has placed in our lives. As Proverbs 14.25 says, a truthful witness saves lives. So today we're going to end this message in this series with prayer. The church is called to be a house of prayer. And we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God hears us when we pray, and more importantly, that he responds to our faith-filled prayers. We are praying and crying out for his will to be done in the earth as it is in heaven. That's one of the reasons why prayer is also one of our core values here. This is a praying church. This is a faith-filled church. This is a church that exercises its faith to believe that all things are possible with God. So we're going to exercise our faith today for the one, one more time corporately. We're going to put our faith together, believing God to move the mountains out of the way, to make every crooked place straight in their path in Jesus' name. But I first, I want to start with us. We have to examine our own hearts today before we get into praying for other people. There can't be any hindrances in our own lives between us and God, or it will bog us down and taint us from viewing what God is doing. So we want to wipe the slate clean today. If there's anything that the Holy Spirit has been bringing to your mind, let's just lay that down today at the foot of the cross. Let's cast it down and leave it there. So just take a moment, just you and God, and ask him to show you anything that needs to be removed today. Go ahead and just take a minute and pray.
take a moment. I'm going to lead us through some corporate, corporate type prayers, praying for the church as a whole and for this body specifically. Father, we just repent as the church. We repent for compromising. We repent for being friends with the world, for saying that we are devoted to you and committed to you, but then flirting with the things of the world. So we, we ask right now that you would just forgive us, forgive your church for compromise, for not being true, for not being committed to our covenant promise with you. God, we repent as a church, as a body, for not preaching the truth with boldness. God, I pray that you would put fire in the bellies of every preacher and every pastor to boldly declare the truth of your word, not man's opinions, not doctrines of demons, but the truth of the word of God. I pray that the purity of the truth of the word of God would come back to the pulpits in America and across the world. God, we repent as a church, for not being on mission, for thinking that it's someone else's job, that it's someone else's responsibility. God, you haven't left all the work of the ministry to preachers and pastors and evangelists, but to each and every believer. We each have a part to play. So God, show us what that means today. Individually, show us how we can obey you with taking the good news to the one. God, we repent for abandoning our first love. For the things we used to do, God. When we first came to you and we were so passionate and we were so on fire and ready to take on the world. God, we repent and we come back to that place. God, thank you for being so patient with us and continually loving us. God, we love you. We just declare that today as your church, as the bride of Christ. We declare that we love you. We love you. We come back to that place of our first love and declare our allegiance and love to you and you alone. God, I ask as we are repenting, as we are turning from our wicked ways, that you would hear our cries from heaven and that you would come and heal our land. I pray that America will be saved. I pray that America will turn from wickedness and come back to the truth and come back to the life. I call forth the harvest of every seed that's been planted from the beginning of America till now, that there will be a harvest. There will be a good crop. I speak against the enemy me coming in and tangling things up of choking the life out of these crops of people. God, I say, loose them now in the name of Jesus, that they would be free, that they would walk in freedom. I pray we get back to the good roots of this country, God, that we would have the freedom to speak. We would get our voices back. We would get our backbone back, that we would boldly declare your truth in the highways and the byways, God. But let it start here. Let it start today. Heal our land. Heal our country, God. Bring us together united by the Spirit of God. We speak against any division in this country, and we say, let it be healed. Let it be restored. Let it be united in love, God. Let there there be love. Let love lead the conversation. 
God, help us to be your ministers of reconciliation in this country. God, I ask that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh as you prophesied you would in Joel chapter 2. God, pour out your spirit in Houston. Pour out your spirit in Tomball on all flesh. You said you would, so we're asking according to your word that you would do it today. Pour your spirit out. Revive us. Revive us today. Awaken us today. Right now, God, awaken our neighbors. Awaken our schools. Awaken our communities. Awaken our governments, God, to the truth of who you are, that you are the light, that you are the way, that you are the truth. God, we ask that you would send revival. We say, do it again, God. We know you've done it before. We ask you to do it again. We know you're moving in other places. We say, do it here. Do it with us, God. As long as there is a remnant crying out, then revival is still possible. As long as there are people who are believing, who are standing on the truth, who are calling out, who are calling on the name of Jesus from clean hands and a pure heart, you will hear, you will respond, and you will move. So we ask you to move now, send revival, send fire now to our city, send fire now to our neighborhoods, God. Wake us up. Wake us up from our slumber. Wake us up from our sleep. God, I pray you would shake us out of laziness and complacency, God. Wake us up. Let this be, let this be an alarm call. Let this be a clarion call today. It's time to wake up. It's time to rise up. It's time to get up. We won't be like those sleeping virgins, God. Let us be the ones who have oil in their lamps, who are ready for you, who are ready for you to move. Let us not miss our our opening of our visitation with you today. God, we thank you just as Jesus prayed that we would be one, as he and you are one, God, we pray that we would be one, that we would be one body, one man, united by the spirit of God. In that same spirit, I would like for us to one last time pray over, you see all these cards down here at the altar. These are the ones that we've been praying and agreeing for. Um, I'd like us all, if you, if you would come and just lay hands on them, just pray for each one. They're down so you can't see the name, but God knows who they are. And uh, I'd like just, just maybe pick one or go through and just pray for each one. Pray that God's will would be done in their life for salvation for their life, for freedom in their life in whatever way God's moving. So if you would come, and just pray over each of these ones. We're going to pray one last time for each and every one of them. And I'm going to declare some things over them as you do. God, we do thank you for each and every one. God, you know the names. You know who they are. You know where they're at right now. You know what it will take 
to break every stony heart. You know what it will take to tear down every wall, every hindrance, every distraction, but mostly every lie that the enemy has tried to put and insert into their lives. So God, right now, we just declare truth come right now into their minds, into their hearts, into their spirits. We ask, we declare that every spiritual blinder would be removed right now, that they would be able to see you clearly for the very first time, that their eyes would be open, that you would give them ears to hear what you are saying. God, I thank you that you are wooing them with your love, that you are drawing them with your kindness, that you would draw them to repentance, that you would draw them to the truth, that you would lead them to the cross. God, we pray for each and every soul, for each and every life. Every life is precious. Every life matters. Every life has purpose. Every life has a destiny. So I say destinies be fulfilled. Lives be awakened. Come to the light. Come to the fire of the truth, of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus be revealed to each and every one. Jesus be made real to each and every one. Jesus be made manifest to each and every soul. Stir their hearts, God, even now, even right now. God, let their hearts stir and burn with fire inside of them. Let the, what is that? And then show them that it's you, that you're calling them. So call them today, God. Call them this week. God, I thank you for moving in their lives. I thank you for putting the right people at the right time with the right word to speak directly to their hearts. Let there be no more hindrances. Let there be no more delays. Let there be no more distractions. God, overwhelm them with your love. Overwhelm them with your peace that passes understanding, God. Visit them in their dreams and visions, God. Speak to them clearly. Reveal your truth to them, God, we pray. God, I pray that you would send deliverance to them. God, deliver them from every lie, from every tormenting spirit, God, that has kept them bound. We ask that you would deliver them, God, just, just as Jesus was here, he did not meet a devil. He did not cast out. So I pray, God, that every spirit that has tried to keep them bound, you are bound yourself and cast out in the name of Jesus. And these precious people will be free. They will be free. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for that harvest.